Welcome to Ladies First, the fandom podcast for all your femme slash needs. I'm Gretchen, and here with me today is my regular co-host, Elizabeth. Hello. Corey is unfortunately sick and has no voice to speak of, so she can't be joining us today. All three of us write and edit for TheFandamentals.com, a website for fundamentally sound fandom analysis. And also with us today are some awesome new friends that Elizabeth and I made a couple weeks ago at Klexicon. John. Hello. And Leah. Hey guys, thank you for having us. You're welcome. And they You're are from welcome. TGI Fem Slash. Woo! Yay! <laughs> Yay! We're so glad to have you guys here today to talk fandom Fem Slash the Ultimate Con for Gal Pals. Yay! Well, TGI Fem Slash. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so this con takes place April 7th through the 9th in Los Angeles. So that's just like three weeks away, right? Yeah, I think we're like Not 19 even. days out. <laughs> that is coming up. That's exciting. Yeah, it, it's very soon. The pressure's on, but we are super <laughs> excited. And uh, we, we've been doing a daily countdown on our Twitter of uh, th- when we got to 30 days, we've been tweeting one reason each day. So 30 reasons why people should come to the con. So the excitement is building with this countdown. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, we're going to get to the con in a little bit. We will make sure we have time for that at the end. Um, But this is a Femslash podcast. So Elizabeth and I wanted to start out with something fun. Elizabeth, do you want to go ahead and ask the first question? Yeah, sure. So um, since it is a Femslash podcast, uh, we want to start off with what is your uh, top Femslash pair and why? And you can only pick one. Yeah, we're mean like that. Of all time or, like, right now? Because those are different answers. Ooh, okay. You know what? I'm going to break the rule. Let's do both. Oh, okay. So right now and of all time. Well, mine is the same for both. So, Leah, (laughs) if you want to go first, that's fine. No, you talk first and give me time to think because I'm Okay. (laughs) It'll be like we're at a restaurant and she needs a minute to figure out what she wants to order. That's fine. Mine (laughs) is the same forever and ever, which is Faberi, which is Rachel and Quinn from Glee. Um, It is the ultimate OTP of my heart. And even still, you know, five years later, there hasn't been anything else that has... Uh, reach the same level of love in my heart. So until something else comes along, I'm a Faberi forever kind of person. Mm. Mm. Oh, they're just so so angsty and <laughs> so opposite and perfect <laughs> for each other. And, oh, they're, they're so great. Those brunettes, man. Those I tell you. Yeah. Every time. As someone We're, who's going through a, uh, a a retrospective series on Glee, I could say it holds up. It's still there. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it was like a lightning bolt. Still on the bathroom wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Have you had enough time, Leah? I never, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can currently is easy because it's terrible. Um, so I started watching Riverdale, which was a mistake. Um, <gasps> no! The best kind of mistake, though. Let's be I real. I started because True. I was like, I'll hate watch it. And now it's like, oh no, I love it. For <laughs> <laughs> that's worse. Like, to be fair, that's like most of our ships are like that. Exactly. So. Exactly. So currently, it's Betty and Veronica, which is funny because they've been around for 75 years. So you <laughs> thought that. Um, mm-hmm. All time, though. There's a strong case to be made for Faberry because they were, like, the ship that made me realize I'm queer. But, like, that's mm-hmm. actually yet another third separate category. Ah, right, yeah, uh-huh. So I think, mm-hmm. I think all time, Elphaba and Glinda. I knew you were going to say that! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's oh a good my one. god! Oh uh, my god. And then everyone screams. Everyone, I feel like everyone forgets about Elphaba and Glinda, though. I don't. <laughs> First of all, how dare you? <laughs> I granted, I was a theater kid. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that will influence how. And it's also that you know they are cheating because the book and the musical are so different that you actually yes. have two different mm-hmm. ships inside one ship. Yeah, so it's like it's like extra bonus material. It's a buy one get one free. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Which is perfect, right? <laughs> Glinda's the buy one. Elphaba gets one free. <laughs> <laughs> so, which 
which of the two do you like more, the book or the show? Oh, the show. I, I mm-hmm. here's the thing. I read, I watched, I saw the show first when I was 13 years old, and then I was like, "This is awesome! I'll read the book." The book oh, is like, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one. It's the wrong that. order to do it in at the wrong age. So, yeah. I'm sure if I revisited it now with completely fresh eyes, I would prefer the book. But I can't. <laughs> I can't redo my fandom journey. I mean, Elphaba is like you know intersex and way more queer in the book, which I think is a very compelling mm-hmm. argument on the book's behalf. I think um, I might need to reread the book. <laughs> I mean, it's hard because the book is like there's the really you know there's the sad section where she's a baby, and then there's the gay section when she's at school. And then a person fucks a tiger in a bar, and then it's oh like gosh. horrible political intrigue, and she gets like pregnant with a baby and dies in a castle. So like, right, it just escalates really quickly. Yeah, and gets weird really quickly because like, yeah. I told myself I wasn't allowed to see the musical till I read the book. So oh, I read the yeah. book and was like, uh, how is this a musical? <laughs> it was like, oh, they changed every single thing. About this it. is weird. And then saw the musical and was like, oh, I really like this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I think the musical ultimately is a much better... This has nothing to do with Femme Slash. It's a much better response to the movie musical of The Wizard of Oz. I think that they pair better together on a metatextual mm-hmm. level mm-hmm, right. as opposed to... You know, Gregory Maguire was writing about the Wizard of Oz books, so they actually have like their little paired sets. And so I think if right. you don't cross the streams, they both <laughs> function really well in their own arenas. And it's only when you compare them to each other that you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so you kind of hinted at this, Leah. Um, yes. What was the fandom that got you guys into Fem Slash? Yeah, it was Glee. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I ha- it's I wasn't like up until that point, and I saw you know the, I I watched Glee when it first came on, and then I took a break, and then I came back when Darren Chris was on because I was a Harry Potter fan, and I was like, sure, why not? And then I cared nothing about this character, <laughs> um, and then I was blindsided by Quinn Fabray, and I was like, shit, man. Um, right. Until that point, I was very much a person who was... I was into fandoms. I'd always been into fandoms, but very much in a canon-compliant way. Like, Mm -hmm. I shipped Willow and Tara because they were in front of me and cute, and I was on board with that. But it wasn't until Glee presented me with a canon so broken that it needed aggressive fixing. (laughs) Mm, That's a massive understatement. (laughs) And so then, you know, I was like, well, you know... I'm into Quinn and Rachel because they are the obvious solution to this narrative problem. And that's like, oh, you, you like fucking girls. Jesus. But <laughs> like, you are 21 fucking years old. Get on board. I'm sorry. First on this podcast, I should have asked that first. That's totally uh, fine. It's fine. Great. Fantastic. Got it. Okay, um, like, we've done a podcast on The 100. You can bet that there's been cursing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Fair. it's very civil, yeah. You can just, just keep your... Keep your hands to yourself. Um, yeah, it's the the big fandom I was in before that was Doctor Who, and it's I was just talking to someone about this. It's very fun when I look back at all my friends that I was in Doctor Who fandom with. Um, it's like a weird proto queer ship between the Doctor and Rose because all of my friends who now realize that they're bi and like girls were all totally in love with Rose Tyler. And oh my god! Mm, yeah. Right? You just right? totally added a piece of information. I was like, totally in love with Rose Tyler. And, 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 like, and here's the thing. The doctor oh. isn't always a lesbian, but the ninth doctor is definitely a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can see that. Totally. And so it's like, oh, all of these friends of mine who shipped this ostensibly het ship, you know, cut to six months later, we're all in completely different fandoms and like <laughs> shipping girls with girls. It's like, what? What just happened? <laughs> So, like, oh, the real answer is Shabari, but the answer under the answer is Rose mm-hmm. Tyler. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. No, totally. Now, I like you, I just need to go think about that for a while. <laughs> After we're done with this podcast, I need to go, like, sit in a corner and think about my life. 
<laughs> See, this is what we do. Like, and if you like, or when when you come to the con, it will just be hours of sitting in a room with Leah listening to her talk, and she will blow Aww. your mind like every day. This is why I take her everywhere because she's so smart and so great. I'm also I'm, I'm travel sized, so you can put me in a bag. And... It's true. She's pocket size. Uh, well, I guess while I'm talking, I can jump in. Um, yes, please do. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first fem slash fandom was my first fandom, which was Buffy. Uh, you know, mm. speaking of Willow and Tara, I had never seen a teenage lesbian romance on television before, and it was the the first show that really got me into fandom. So it had already changed my life on so many levels of just becoming a fanish person. But then we had Willow and Tara, and Willow is my identification character like of Mm. all time Mm. she is more like me than any tv character i've ever seen rachel berry's pretty close but like willow willow is me just a girl um (laughs) and so uh just i was on her journey and Mm. you know going crazy with the magic and the drugs and all of those things you know because who doesn't make those mistakes from time to time you know willow actually Mm -hmm went to a crack den. Rachel just sent someone there. That's the real It's thing. true, you know? <laughs> See, if I'm going to get into a femme slash fandom, there has to be this underlying crack den theme. Someone has to go to a crack <laughs> um, Anyway, so yeah, Willow and Tara, I was all about it. And so this was 2002, so I was on LiveJournal, and I was recording the episodes off FX on my on my you know VCR. Um, oh and I had two VCRs, and I would take the recorded tapes and I edited together a master cut of all the Willow Terra scenes, which when you do that on VHS, that takes fucking forever. Okay. Right. And I would like sell them on live journal for eight bucks or something. And I mean, now you can go on YouTube and find that stuff very easily for free, but I was very proud of my master tapes. I, I think I still have one because it, anyway, yes, it was very, very important to me. But then at the same time, you know, Buffy and Faith, like, Mm. obviously the the (laughs) hottest thing. So there was this great, you know, dichotomy of these two ships. You had the sweet, you know, canon, oh, like, that's my heart. And then you had the id of Buffy and Faith. (laughs) And they're they're anger-banging all of the time. Um, And so just the, the combination of those things was fantastic. And yeah, that was my first big spiraling into Femslash, and there was no going back. So good. It is kind of hard to go back after that. Once it's you, very once true. You, yeah. You're making me feel uh, real old right now. <laughs> why? Are we, are we still talking about the crack house? It's because once you've gone <laughs> no, there, no. it's really hard. Oh, no, no, no. It's the live journal and the recording things off the TV with VHS. I'm just like, oh, God, I've been in so long, so long. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I think we all kind of have. Well, I'm fairly new to this sphere, but I I watched Buffy. I just watched it before I knew I liked girls. So, um I, I like. Exactly, right? It's so weird to go back and be like, oh, man, like I missed it. Right. Once, like, this is why I was so resistant to the tension between <laughs> Buffy and Faith, because I was not aware of myself. <laughs> it's it's, it's funny. like, uh, it's like that last... saying. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, please, you first. Um, I was going to say, like, once you come out, your entire life before then becomes foreshadowing. Yep. Mm-hmm. You have that big it's moment like... of, oh. Right. It's honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Everyone, every time. No, but it's funny because John and I actually at the last TGIFF, um, we had a Buffy panel, and so I took this as an opportunity to sort of speak to my fandom elders about the people who got to live through Buffy as it was happening because I came to Buffy very late in life, and so I was like, "You'll have to explain." the Buffy and Faith thing to me, because, like, you already have Willow and Tara, why do you need it? Mm. And John was like, well, if you think about it linearly, like, we had no idea we were going to get Willow and Tara. In what world, when you're watching, you know, Buffy in order with no spoilers, do you assume that's going to happen? You react right. to what's in front of you. You know, no one had a future vision. And so it's, I was so spoiled for Buffy before I ever watched it, just because of, you know, 
being in fandom cult, you know, it's like Darth Vader is Luke's dad and I know everything that happens on Buffy. <laughs> right. Just, <laughs> right. So imagine, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's, it's just, you know, because to me it felt inevitable, it, it took actual work on my behalf to realize like, oh, like looking at it from a fandom perspective in the moment, like I would have been a completely different kind of fan of Buffy yeah and i was just gonna add furthermore you know imagine the experience of watching this in 2002 and not only you know discovering that willow and tara are like super gay for each other but having no idea that tara's gonna die because <laughs> that's not a thing that's happening all of the fucking time on television and right. it, it was truly out of nowhere and mm-hmm. gut-wrenching so yeah it i would imagine it's a very different experience watching things now and i'm sorry was that a spoiler for like yeah. 20 fucking years ago oh my gosh like, no it's just it's a downer, spoiler, man. right uh, it's been out for a while I think uh-huh. each new generation does have something like that, though. I mean, we just went to a convention yeah. about it. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. We did. Can you imagine, wait, do Willow and Tara even have, like, a, a portmanteau name? I don't, they mustn't, right? I mean, like, do um, they I've never heard one. No one's one. ever said Wera just... or Tillo to me before in my life. I've never heard it either. But it's like... Tillo on Tumblr. Okay. But, Which, like, can like, you evil. imagine, like, Terracon? <laughs> Terracon would have been so angry. I mean, in an alternate universe, like in an alternate universe, like Terracon sounds like at Joss calling him Warren. Oh my gosh, more like Joss Warren. Oh Oh my gosh, so much anger. Right, like I think Terracon sounds like a pretty like badass name, though. (laughs) That's true. Like I think of it like a dinosaur. I'm like, man, I'd be like. (laughs) You don't want to wake that dinosaur, yeah, there's do you? Actually, there's actually a silent P. It's yes, it's a, it's a Terracon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you went there, Leah, because that's where my brain was. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck, now I have to start that con. All right. Terracon. All right, so, um, John, you mentioned fan videos. Um, yes. So is there anything that either of you are known for in the fandom like fanfic or videos gift sets like is there anything that you kind of gravitate towards in like producing or like content creation so but like individual pieces of work that we would be known for is is that what you're asking or it's something you really enjoy doing okay well so i'm a vitter uh i make fan vids i like to think that i have a following in the Glee fandom um, for John, some vids that I've created. John made the coming out of Quinn Fabray. Mm-hmm. I did. I made Quinn Fabray come out because mm-hmm. like she wasn't going to do it on her own. So, um, yeah. So I made this 18 minute <laughs> video. Uh, it's it's a scene reconstruction more than anything. Um, people tell me it's like a video fanfic, and they wish that Ooh. the show mm-hmm. actually looked like that. It's pretty cool. Um, it's linked on my Tumblr, jarrow272.tumblr.com. Um, but yeah, and so when I started Fabericon, that was really the only thing that I had out there in the fandom where I could say, oh, I'm, I'm that person, just so you know mm-hmm. who I am. Um, that, that's, only that. that's my big thing. <laughs> well, I mean, I have a lot of other things, but nobody found them because no one knew who I was, but... I know, it's kind of like your Citizen Kane. Like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Excellent. You, that makes me feel good. Told, Thank you. <laughs> when you told me about it at Clexicon, I was like, oh, that was you? <laughs> that was me. Yeah, that yep. was a masterwork. <laughs> really Thank was. Thank you. It really I appreciate was. it. Yeah. I am very proud of it. I've made between 40 and 50 fan vids, but that one is very different from anything I've done. Not just because of the length opus. of it. But yeah. It's true. It, it is my magnum opus. Um but uh, just because of the, the nature of the project with all of the audio editing and actually creating scenes of dialogue just from little pieces here and there and uh, all the work that went into it, it's, it's very different from anything else I've ever done. Hmm. Wow. What about you, Leah? Anything um, you So, know? um, yes, I write fic. Um, most recently, what I posted was um, a Supergirl fic called Her Brother's Keeper which is um, an article 
an article about Lena that Kara writes, and so the fic is just the article, um, which I'm I'm very proud of because it's like I really like it when fanfics do that like weird, you know, metatextual approaching text. From, you know, like Steve Rogers mm-hmm. watches all of the Captain America movies made in his own home universe about his life. Those yes. kinds of fics, like I really yeah. like it when like they go go deep. <laughs> So that was my experiment with doing that. But, you know, I wrote for Glee, and I wrote a shit ton of, uh, of Cartinelli fic for Agent Carter back in the day. Uh, what? What did you write for Glee? <laughs> for Glee, um, I wrote a lot of one-shots, and I wrote um, a really long, like, my, my personal Glee opus um, is... Uh, it's a character study of Quinn and Sam from um, from Blame It on the Alcohol to Rumors, where we go from, like, between them breaking up and the reveal that she's been secretly babysitting his kid siblings. Like, how the fuck did we get from that place to that other place? Because the show won't draw a line for you at all and so just literally taking it episode by episode like how did they develop this secret friendship that no one knew about um and like how is quinn a person um which is a question yes. I, I still ask myself every day really um, as you should yeah oh that's called kingdom up for sale by the way um but yeah i wrote let's see oh i wrote this one one shot that got very popular which was um it was based off a prompt that we did. Actually, I, I got the prompt, I think, for a, a fundraiser we did for Fabericon. Um, and it's an alternate universe where you know some people are immortal and other people die very young. And it's not until you like get your mark that you know whether you're going to live live forever or the day you're going to die. And mm-hmm. Quinn and Rachel meet. And then like Quinn's job is she works at this place where the people... There's, there's ephemerals and infinites. And so she works at a place where like ephemerals can apply for like their dream jobs because like well you're about to die soon so we might as well so like she wants to send Rachel to Broadway and it's it's only like two thousand words but it's devastatingly sad. You know, like Alphaberry Fix really. Right. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> but yeah, I I've I've been uh, been around the block a few times, so <laughs> I was a little worried you were going to tell me that you wrote, um, should have asked your directions. <laughs> that is not, that is not me. No, I actually, um, I wrote, uh, I would have been beautiful when you tried to ask for directions. That's our, uh, we, we joke about all of the different, like, major fandom works. Um, I mean, I did a, I did a Hunger Games Glee crossover a bit. It's no longer in existence. Hunger Games is so great for crossovers. Really I will is. die if someone if someone yeah. actually remembers that I will die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was really good. I thought the writing was really good. It was just like, it was one of those things where you started it and you were like really full of fire and brimstone, and then like three chapters in, you're like, eh. Did we lose Elizabeth? Three no, chapters in, you're like, what? I know, I'm waiting. <laughs> I know. Can you... No, can you hear me? Yes, no, yeah, okay. now I can. Oh, thank God. Oh, jeez, I thought we had dead air. Um, no, it's three, uh, three chapters. <laughs> you're having some audio issues. At least we were having trouble hearing you. I don't know whether that's going to affect the actual recording or not. Um... But we can um, we can move on and hope that it resolves itself in the meantime. Because um, can you hear me now? Yes, <laughs> oh, excellent. Thank oh, thank God. Yes, the joys of podcasting. Every now and then, we have some issues. Um, anyway, but, three so chapters we, in, and then you realize. Yeah, it, three chapters in, you realize like, oh crap! I'm so I so can't finish this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll leave it. That'll just have to be a, a dangling uh, tension. Tension. <laughs> what happens three chapters in? Um, we'll never know. Never know. Um, so we can move on to... You guys have mentioned Fabericon a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So um, I know you guys have probably told this story a hundred times, but our, our listeners may not know it. So 
how did TGI Fem Slash get started? Um, how did you guys meet? Why a con? All that good stuff. Well, I'm, we would love to tell the story again. Yeah. Um, so it, it it all started with Fabericon. Um, TGIFF grew out of Fabericon. Um, I started Fabericon in late 2011. We had the first Fabericon in early 2013. That was where I met Leah and the other people who are on TGIFF staff. And so after four years and five uh, successful, fun Fabericons. You know, we had spent 15 convention days talking about the same two people and <laughs> really analyzing them from every single possible angle four times over. And <laughs> the show was long done and people had moved on and were watching other things and wanted to talk about other things. And we wanted to keep hanging out and getting together. And so it seemed a natural next step for us to expand and evolve into a multi-fandom con. And my co-chair of Fabericon, um, Karen, uh, she and I both came to the same conclusion in different ways around the same time. Uh, she was very interested in joining communities uh, with the people who had run the Xena convention because mm -hmm. they too were finishing their run but wanted to just kind of have an an informal annual get together and she was very excited about blending different um fanish communities together and growing to become something bigger than we were and i was very interested in the structural idea of a multi-fan multi-fandom fem slash con so um, yeah, it just the pieces fell into place at the right time. And even though Karen, uh, after the first TGI Fem Slash, um, Karen decided to step back and focus on her film career. Um, but Leah was right there as she had been every day, every step of the way <laughs> on the Fabricon journey and was more than happy to uh, to step in as a lead person and has been absolutely fantastic and perfect for the job. Well, I just wanted to chime in. Thank you, also. But I just wanted to chime <laughs> in and say that John skipped my favorite part of the Fabericon origin story, which was that by some cosmic... Like, it, this makes me believe in fate. Hmm. Very So it, Fabericon was a, you know, <laughs> Friday through Sunday con. So the Thursday night before the con started, a lot of us were flying in, getting to see each other, and, you know, we're just hanging out in one of the hotel rooms, because, like, you know, we were all strangers in a strange place, and we knew we would know each other <laughs> shortly. And it was Thursday, so it was like, why don't we watch Glee? And then Quinn and Santana slept together. <laughs> Wait, the what? The, right in front the... of our eyes! <laughs> the night of the night preceding the very first break on. Okay, so I would like to point out that this particular story has nothing to do with how TGIFM slash started. We no. just like telling the story. <laughs> that, that on the eve of the it very first fate. con about how gay Quinn Fabre is, she actually slept with a woman, like, proving our theories correct. And it was the best thing that had happened to us. And we were literally standing on couches, like, with arms in the air, screaming, screaming and hugging and flailing and th that was such a fantastic bonding moment for us to experience that together and, and so we were touched by an angel great. and we've been <laughs> wait tell me you guys can hear me now we yes can hear you now we can oh my god thank god oh my god that that episode right and it, oh you know, my god we didn't you know it was just like i thought i would be excited about like you know Emma singing Not Getting Married Today. I was happy with that. Like, I, Holy crap, right? I was like, Dainu, it would have been enough. And, <laughs> and then, like, you know, Queen was wearing that awful sparkly jacket and we were like, is she flirting with Santana? And Santana was like, you know, pretty girl say nice thing me. She didn't know what to do and we neither did we. And then they, like, boned. They totally boned. <laughs> and then went back for more. It, it was so great. So, yeah. I, a tear just, like, sprung to my eye, remembering. <laughs> oh, memories. So, yeah, that just kicked and off once, once we the were beginning of this Fabricon history. Bond, mm -hmm. There was no going back. So That's right. We're forever pals now. So yes. God only knows what's going to happen on the, 
the eve of the next TGI Riverdale Femme Slash. Riverdale's gonna be on. Who knows? Anything could happen. Who knows? Mm, maybe that week Supercorp will become canon. <laughs> Dare to dream. Right? No, more likely. <laughs> If anything, it'll be like, Selena's evil now. And we'll all be like, ah. No, don't say that. Yeah, uh, no. No, if I say no. it, it won't be true, so. Right, yeah. That's true. That's definitely what will happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of people who actually do believe that that's definitely what's uh, going to happen. Because these people do not understand themes. Nope. Well, I mean, arguably, neither fear. do most writers. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. Well, I, I'm literally going to be running a panel on this but you know I, I there's a lot I, I think that fandom as a whole is so traumatized by mm-hmm. the last year and a half and yeah, you, yes. you know before that as well like you know glee was nothing but traumatizing <laughs> but there used to be i'm not sure if it twitter caught like the combination of having access to writers and being able to complain when you don't like things or demand things that you feel entitled to, as well as shows going out of their way to hurt us, it seems. Mm-hmm. There's so little confidence in storytelling, yep. even when it's with from people you trust. Right and now. so I think that someone sent me a Tumblr ass the other day, like, you know, I trust your opinion. You know, I see, I don't watch the show, but I see a lot of people saying, like, well, Supergirl was fun while it lasted. It's down the tubes now. What do you think? And I was like, um, ask me again in, like, two months, because until right. the season ends, I don't know. Right. And Thank I, you. And I think that I know, so, right? few, so few people are willing to play the long game, mm-hmm. and they're all about instant gratification because of a fear that they're not going to get anything else. Like, I right. get it. Mm-hmm. And I'm right. there with them. I totally understand that fear i feel it myself but it's also you know i think we forget that like two out of three executive producers on supergirl are clear no i think there are people who don't actually know that like i honestly believe that because i see them talking as if um as if the writer's room is entirely filled with with straight people um i'm like do you but Allie Adler, like, yeah. you real, like, do do you know who Allie Adler is? Like, and do you know how much power she clearly has in this in this story? If you compare Supergirl to like some of the other shows on the CW, like, she clearly has some influence. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean that, you, that you're not going to get some some stories that aren't as appealing um, because she's not the only voice in the writers' room. But I do think people forget. I saw an astonishing statistic the other day. I I did not fact check it because I was like, I don't want to know if this is true. I want to pretend it's true. Which Mm -hmm. said that five out of 11 writers in the Riverdale writers room were gay. And I was like, I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to. (laughs) The thing about Riverdale is that you can believe whatever you want and it can ruin your heart. And it doesn't actually matter in reality. Riverdale is the is the is the whose line is it anyway of fandoms. Everything's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> I love well, that. I mean, to be fair, like as I I had in the, the games panel that I did, like ten percent of the game industry identifies as bisexual. So in the creative industries you do get somewhat of a higher sample yeah. than you would in the general population. So I mean I could believe it. How much sure. actual influence sure. they have is debatable. Right. right. But and so to circle back to our actual point, like I I don't blame people for panic mongering about you know Lena's going to be evil and then die. Mm, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Right. Y'all can chill though because like say what you will about Supergirl structurally or pacing wise, that show loves women. It loves it women mm-hmm. more than more than almost any other show on television. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's gonna be okay. You may not like it, what they choose to do, but I will always believe that they're coming at it from a place of, of genuine love and respect for women. Yep. Yep. And you I know, agree. speaking, and of I'm gonna shows... have a panel about it, so you should come to it. Anyway. Yes, definitely. Speaking of shows that really respect women, as you've been talking about this, I've been trying to think of okay, are there shows or showrunners that I really truly trust and that I can kind of unclench when I'm watching that show? <laughs> um, and I 
was really made a true believer, especially at Clexicon Weekend. Um, I would follow Emily Andrus into war. I would follow totally. her off a cliff. I would follow her into space. And I don't want to go into space, but I would do it for her. Totally. Because she truly um, gets us and what yep. we want to do and has these amazing female characters that clearly she cares so much about and I'm, I'm not trying to compare it to Supergirl say that it's more or less um, but just chiming in that that's another show yep. that's outstanding I yeah no to, I yeah I, I agree interrupt for oh never mind I'm good what uh, are I that I had a technical difficulty but it... well Elizabeth's um, been having a technical difficulty yes. so <laughs> um, it's it not happens. my fault um, yeah. I want to know I still want to know though why choose a con <laughs> well, I ha- so I have a history of going to cons. Um, okay. I've been I've been attending cons since 2005. Um, that was when I went to my first Buffy convention. That was very much like Clexicon in that it was um, that uh, you know we're we're bringing in a bunch of celebrities, but it's focused um, on. Well, actually, no. Let me let me, I'm going to restart here because. Clexicon was a lot bigger than that, but just this idea of we're we're getting fans together. We are bringing in actors from this show, or maybe people who had to do with the writing on the show, um, so that we can have these good conversations and photo ops and autographs and all of that. And so when I was exposed to that, it was such a powerful experience of getting to meet other fans and just sit in a room and have these structured conversations that are very different from discourse that you have on the internet. And so there's so much power in being able to sit face to face with other people who, who feel like you do, who maybe feel on the outside or feel out of step with the mainstream and feel safe in fandom and to get to have these academic kind of conversations or emotional conversations. And you, you have game shows and you get to, you know, have drinks together and hang out in hotels. And there's just so many fun things that you get to do. I think it goes beyond a regular kind of meetup. Mm. And you can bring people together from all over the country. Mm. And depending on what size events you're having, or if you're bringing in actors or not, you can do a lot of different kinds of things. And so as someone who loves going to conventions, um, it seemed very natural for me to start my own. That that wasn't a big stretch at all. Okay. Right, because like when I think of, I really enjoy this show, my first reaction is not, I should start a con. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always been curious, why? Um, just because it does, it does not feel natural to me, but from what you're saying, it sounds like it was a very natural choice. Um, yeah, it, it's the community piece. You know, mm-hmm. being online is is one thing, and that's fine. And a lot of people feel very deeply satisfied by the internet community that they seek out or create or just become a part of. And I think that that's awesome. I'm the kind of person who prefers in person reactions and mm-hmm. and being or interactions and being face to face with somebody. And a con is an opportunity to do that. And a lot of people don't know that cons are a thing. You know, we, we get people every year who come to our events who say, Oh, I've never been to a con before. I didn't know that this was a possibility. So, or, or they knew what cons were, but they were picturing, you know, comic con or, or dragon con. Like they were picturing event floors and cosplay and panels with, you know, mics on them with famous people. And, you know, I, all of the cons we, we do are quite intimate, but I grew up going to Harry Potter cons, which were, you know, very academically, like people would present essentially like the research papers on Harry Potter because mm. literature. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we'd listen to Wizard Rock and get super wasted. <laughs> I love it. Um, and so I was, when I... I recognized immediately when I saw the first Americon, like, oh, I know exactly what you're doing and I want in on that. Mm. And I was in the minority because I I had not only had con experience, I had con experience of the variety that we try and make ourselves. And so uh. I was, I got to be kind of like the, the cool aunt who was coaching <laughs> people through the experience. Because like, if you've never done it before, 
it's it's so there's nothing like texting a friend that you made online who you normally several time zones away from being like hey i'm gonna go to starbucks you want to come like Mm. that's a thrill Mm. and then turning around to a stranger at that starbucks and being like so blondes and brunettes right and then they have a response (laughs) is a totally different thrill and Mm. so like in in the moment i was getting to watch these people like light up as they realized like oh I'm in a room of, you know, three dozen queer people. Mm. And we're all safe and talking about the things we love. Right. Um, There's really no, you can't bottle it, you know, you can't, you can't, you can take it with you after. It's hard to describe to people who haven't been there, like, what it feels like to suddenly realize that you have, that you are among your people. Mm. Yeah, and at the third Fabericon, one of our people wrote a, a quote, wrote wrote a, a two sentence little proverb of sorts up on the whiteboard um, for all of us to marvel at and go, "Oh yeah!" And it was from the inside looking out, you can't explain it. From the outside looking in, you can't understand it. Although I think it was reverse; it was the outside looking mm. in first. Um, but just this this idea that um, it's it's very hard to put into words what this experience is like until you experience it for yourself. And I loved looking around at Clexicon just, you know, two weeks ago and seeing all of these people kind of have those, those big open wide eyes um, as they mm-hmm. looked around. And if that was their first con experience of being in, you know, a predominantly queer space and feeling safe and like the, Oh, these are my people. And I can be a part of conversations I've never been a part of. Um, it's incredibly thrilling. And then what we do at TGI FM Slash is on a much smaller scale, so you truly get to know everybody who's at the event. Um, it, it feels more like a family reunion by the end of it. Mm. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a more personal connection. Um, it's uh, like camp, um, you know? It is. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... You, yeah. It's, it's like gay sleepaway camp. Right, I and think we do the crafts <laughs> and we learn lessons. We sing campfire songs and we make yeah. s'mores. Um, no, but I think the first Fabricon was described as um, was it spring break for gay lady nerds? Oh my god! <laughs> I think is what yes. it was. Um, but yeah, and we get people every year who say, "Wow, I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't know what I was missing. Hmm. I didn't know that this was possible." And I, I think that's part of why more cons are starting to pop up here and there. I mean, there's Universal Fan Con that's starting up next year. Um, I've been in touch with someone who is trying to start a, a Krypton Con, right? A, a Supergirl Con. Um, and so I, I, I think as, as word of this is spreading, and I mean, God, we didn't invent this. I'm not trying at all to sound like we did. We're just one... Uh, spot on the timeline here. Um, happy, happy beneficiaries of the of the very brave people who came before us. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, and it's paying it forward. Yeah, I, right, I, I went right. I went to fan cons. VividCon changed my life. That was, uh, or it is, it's still going. Um, it is a vidding convention in Chicago. Mm. Um, it's almost fifteen years old, I think, and uh, or I, this might be its fifteenth year, actually. Um, and that was my first experience at a fan con with just a hundred people. And that weekend changed my life maybe more than any other. And so all of the work that I've been doing with these smaller fan cons has been based, um, more on that model than anything, as much as I've gone to dragon con and, and I love the big ones like dragon con and Clexcon and all that. There's something truly special about the small one. Well, you totally just, predicted what I was going to say because our our next question was going to be about how TJFM slash is different from one of the one of your standard big cons that I think most people think of. And it sounds like a, a huge part of it from what you guys are saying is that there's an intimacy and an immediacy involved in a small con like this that you just you can't get at one of the bigger cons. Yeah, that's right. And at Clexicon, uh something that I told people while I was working the booth is that I feel like 
um, these kinds of events are two sides of the same coin. Mm. That in in something like Clexicon, you have a much bigger crowd. You have um, hired actors, hired panelists who are coming in. Um, you have really great, smart people who are behind a microphone who are entertaining you. And you get to be a part of something that feels larger than life, mm. right? And yeah. it's it's the sense of wonder and awe. And you're looking around going, wow, this is huge. And you feel like a, a, a small part of something big in a very cool and meaningful way. And then it's something like TGI Femslash, because we don't hire actors, we don't hire panelists, you are the panel, you are the conversation. So you get mm-hmm. to sit in a circle of chairs and have the conversation versus just listening to other people have it. And... Um, you you get to focus on getting to know other people instead of, oh, I have to go be in line for this autograph or, oh, right. I'm going to get this photo op. And I'm, I love meeting actors more than anyone I know. I'm the first person like <laughs> in the line. I will defend actor cons till the day I die. But when I started running cons, that's not what I wanted to do as an organizer. I wanted to focus more on the community aspect and the friendships Mm -hmm. that are formed because as much as I, you know, love my photo album of photo ops I've had with actors, I cherish (laughs) far more the, the friendships and the family really that I have made with other people. Mm. And so it's, I think it's, it's just a different focus. The real con was the friends you made along the way. Right. Oh God. Yes, you should make a there shirt. We should. Yeah, actually. you should make a shirt. Right now. We should. Yeah. So I think that both models are absolutely important and valid and needed. Right. And I think it's great that there are these different kinds of events so that different kinds of people can find where they're comfortable. Um, for instance, we get a lot of people who are introverted um, or have social anxiety mm-hmm. and don't feel comfortable going to a place where there are 2,000 people right. um, and they prefer a smaller crowd and kind of a, a quieter space without the hustle and bustle and feeling lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we are able to provide a space where they can have a voice and where they can feel heard. And, and feel safe in that way. And it's been wonderful watching some of our friends who we've met along the way be very, very timid in the beginning. I mean, we've we've had people who didn't speak until Sunday night, right before they go home. Like this is literally a thing that has happened. And then they come back the next year and they're just talking up a storm because they <laughs> feel comfortable now. Right, right. Uh, and just watching them come out of their shell or discover more about who they are has been incredibly rewarding on a very personal level, just as an organizer and also mm. as their friend. Right. I, I, I absolutely agree with everything John said and, you know, experienced it myself, but I also wanted to add that there's a great deal to be said for the level of discourse you are able to reach when you can see the person you're talking to. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Both in terms of, it's one thing to flail online about a thing you know, love and another thing to hear someone else say it out loud and, you know, scream and jump up and down with them. But also, if you disagree with someone and you have to confront that in a moderated space that is safe, you can actually talk it out. Right. As opposed to just screaming and blocking each other and calling each other names. <laughs> um, the, the example I always go to is that at the, the third Febericon we ever had, um, John met a friend at Vivicon, VividCon who was primarily a clean shipper, but she was really interested in what we were doing and also agreed once he pointed all the evidence out to her that Quinn was clearly gay. <laughs> so she decided to come, but she was at a very different point in her fandom experience than we were because we were all these bitter old crones screaming about how, we, how much we hate Ryan Murphy. And she was a very happy clean shipper who kind of thought Ryan Murphy was brilliant. And she was coming at the way that Glee puts a mirror up to life she was like you know yes terrible misogynistic things happen on the show but they also happen to actual people who are you know singers in high school that seems normal to me like of course terrible things happen to these kids look at them Mm, (laughs) and so her perspective and also to her credit she's very well spoken and extremely intelligent Yes. because we were mindful of her presence in the first place we watched our tone to begin with and we know kept the salt levels low 
But also, <laughs> she, you know, we were two years into it at this point. Like, we had kind of run out of things to scream about. And having someone else come in and say, like, hey, guys, what if you twisted the lens a little bit and looked at it from this other viewpoint? And all of a sudden, we were talking again. Mm. It, it's, a, it's when you get people together in person and you are willing to, to jump that gap between here's what you think, here's what I think. You learn things, and you and you, <laughs> you find that there are levels and layers to these shows that you weren't able to engage with online because online is an echo chamber. Mm, right. Yeah. And some people just don't even have time to go online anymore. One of my favorite things about the con experience is that it is a true vacation from reality in just about mm-hmm. every sense. And once we go in that room in, in the hotel space, we block out the rest of the world and the all the norms of reality are no longer the norms because they're not mm. our norms right and so we get people who come to the con who have we've been out of touch with them maybe they've just been working a lot or they've been in school or they've been you know out of the country or whatever but they come to the con and we get to check in with them and then they get to just be fanished for three days and just soak in it and immerse themselves mm. in it mm. and they've they've missed it tremendously so it's it's such a great step away and they get to have those conversations uh that they maybe couldn't find because they can't keep up with their tumblr dash or you know twitter's too full of politics now or (laughs) whatever (laughs) right right uh well we're getting low on time so um one final question and it will be your guys's chance to hype whatever you feel like hyping um what is the event or programming aspect of the con that you are most looking forward to. So gush away at whatever the thing is that you are just so excited to tell people about that's going to happen. I already know what my answer is. <laughs> Do you need some time? Yeah, you go first. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what, what I am by far the most excited about is the Saturday night dance party called Club Fem Slash. And this is a concept that is lovingly borrowed um, from VividCon, which I was mentioning earlier, the Vidding Convention. Um, They have a three and a half hour vid show dance party every year called Club Vivid. And uh, the curator of that has been very generous in letting us co-opt this event and putting a twist on it for TGI Femslash. And that is, we will be showing three hours of vids about ladies. And all the vids are set to music that you can dance to. So it is a dance party with vids playing. So if dancing is your jam, you can totally dance for three hours. If dancing is not so much your jam, but you like watching (laughs) vids about ladies, we will have rows of chairs set up. And not only is there dancing and ladies and vids, but we're having a theme, uh, which is San Junipero, the, of course, amazing episode of Black Mirror, um, where we had uh, this couple that was kind of hopping through time in all of these different eras. So we are encouraging people to dress for the dance party in a way that reflects the era of their choice, whether it's 80s or 90s or you know, the, the new millennium and whatever makes you happy. But it's going to be this great hodgepodge of, of costumes and music and you will be in a space that is, you know, predominantly ladies dancing while ladies are up on the screen. And did I mention there will be ladies? Because it's going to be <laughs> amazing. Wait, and, wait. Are there uh, going to be ladies involved? Prob- probably not. Like one but, or two. Dang it. Um, <laughs> Maybe. But Maybe. I, I can look into it. Okay. All right. You do yeah. that. I genuinely, what I'm always most excited for is the panels. Because, mm. you know, as you can tell from this conversation, I really like talking about TV. <laughs> I, I got a degree in it because I liked it that much. So <laughs> I, I really just feel like I, I come for the conversation most of all. But as far as our events go... What I'm most excited for is our icebreaker, uh, mm-hmm. which is a, an osmosis exchange, which is everyone has those shows where they don't watch it, but all of their friends do. And so they have approximate <laughs> knowledge of many things. And so you will be paired with someone 
And you're both going to create something for each other, like a, a small fic or a comic, where it's like, well, I don't watch this show, but I'm pretty sure, like, I could write Klexa. Sure. <laughs> Probably. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Yeah. And so this way... <laughs> when you know, is this? It's it's our icebreaker. It is it is the Friday morning of, of our con, so it's this. No. I know. going to miss it. I know, yeah. and I'm so but sad. But we are going to save all of these osmosis works, and we'll put them on our Tumblr, probably. Oh my gosh. So at least, oh, at least they will be saved forever. And, and you know, I I'm, would be astonished if it does not become an annual event, because I'm... Because <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds be, amazing. It's going to be bananas and adorable. It's oh going to be gosh. wonderful. And again, though, like, just to be fair, to give credit, this is another idea that is borrowed from other fan cons. Cause we, <laughs> no, but like, for real, I feel that it's important. Imitation to, is the sincerest form of flattery. Yes. But yes. We, we do all of this with permission. So there, yes. there is another con. It takes place here in Seattle called Bitchin' Party. That's the in- informal name. Uh, the Pacificon Writers Conference is officially what it's called. <laughs> it's, it's Bitch and Party. And uh, when I went to it last year, I took part in this Spanish osmosis exchange. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And uh, we should bring it to TGI. And they said, yep, that's fine. Um, and so I, I just I feel it's important to give credit where it's due. There are some things that we have invented ourselves, like the thick battle, which is going to yes. be amaze balls um but there's a lot that we borrow and share and i mean i'm a school teacher and teachers are all about sharing resources and best practices and we're all right. in this together for the the good of the children um and so that's that's how i feel with with fandom as yes. well you know, <laughs> the gay children the very only gay the ones. gay children it's true i i only care for the gay children no I, no, that's not true that's not true um, but well, yeah, I know that uh, I know I am looking forward to just the hints that I got of this like auction that ah. is happening. <laughs> like that sounds amazing. Yeah. You don't even so, know. Oh, if you were excited so- for me to scream numbers at you and put important things in your face that you then pay for, you, <laughs> this con it's it's gonna be. We have- well, also having like a mask of some kind or like a something. Well, it's not a mask, but the paddle, like the paddle the that pad- you build yeah, with, that, yeah. right, that's going to have the face of, like, a female character that you know and love. Which I just find delightful. Yeah, so imagine, you know, Cat Grant and Regina Mills getting into a bidding war over a, over a rainbow blanket. Oh my like, god. Doesn't that sound amazing? Like, I feel like someone could write, like, a ton of fic, yeah. of just, like, crack fic based Absolutely. on this. Absolutely. There's going to be an Emily Gilmore paddle. I hope they clean up. <laughs> we'll get that our own name. What? What did you call so, dibs on? No, I said our friend Bridget has already called dibs on the Emily Gilmore panel. Oh. <laughs> that was a special request. But th- there, we have 75 different faces. Like, you will yeah. find one that you like. It's cool. <laughs> And All it's right. too bad that Pooh couldn't be here because the auction is her jam and she would have told us more about it. Sorry about that. Dang it. She sends her love. I hope she had a good nap. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just ready for the discourse. (laughs) Honestly, that's what I'm in for. There's just going to be a lot of discourse. There's going to be... Oh, fabulous. 72 consecutive hours of discourse. That should be on a t-shirt. Right? (laughs) And I hope anyone who's listening who's interested will go to tgifemslash.com and read information about all the programming and the schedule there's so much good stuff out there yep um again it's april 7th through 9th of this year in los angeles and as john just said you can find more details on their website tjfm.com which we will be linking uh we'll put that link in the write-up as well as links to their tumblr and twitter which is also tjfm slash um thank you guys for coming to talk with us thank thank you you so much for having us what a joy this has been you guys rock um again this is tjfm slash the ultimate gal pal convention i know i'm looking forward to it i'm sure that elizabeth is too because i'm still here um as is Corey. like Corey, one of our other editors like lives in la so um three of the five editors over at thefandamentals.com are going to be at this con. Uh, we've reached critical mass of, like, um, editors in the same spot. <laughs> the only other <laughs> time it'll happen is when one of us gets married. 
You know, if you want to get married at the con, uh, I'm sure we could arrange something. Well, we got to find me a girlfriend. Our girlfriend's girlfriend's have met and gotten married, also. We That's should true. use that as, like, a tagline. All right, we got to wrap this up as we're out of time. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys again. Thank you Thanks for having for us. us. You're welcome. And everyone, go to TJFM slash gonna be awesome. And that is it for Ladies First. We'll talk to you guys next time. See you later. Bye.